You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. All right, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. Hopefully you have your Bible with you this morning, the Hebrews chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. I saw or read about a sports statistic just a few weeks ago that honestly I didn't know and really surprised me. Since 1969, the Pittsburgh Steelers have only had three head coaches. Since 1969. I did not know that. I mean, that's very few. Uh, the, my favorite team, Washington, has had 15. <laughs> the Cowboys have had nine. And the Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. Oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. And then it begins, you start thinking about these legendary coaches. Vince Lombardi, my favorite, Joe Gibbs, of course. Around here, Tom Landry, right? And you have these famous coaches. And then, of course, of course, in these parts, Tom Landry cast a large shadow, and we drive on a highway named after him. You see pictures etched in the highway walls of Tom Landry and wearing his hat. And you have these legendary coaches, these legendary people that, again, cast long shadows in our society. Of course, that's not just in sports. It's in all facets of life. But as I was reading this passage, I began to think about Moses. The writer talks about Moses here in in, in Hebrew life, in the Israelite life, Moses was a legend. Not a legend in the sense of made up, but a legend, a legendary person, somebody who cast a long shadow in their life, like a, like a coach. And it's for good reason, right? Moses was called by God. Moses interacted with God in a burning bush. Moses was used by God to call his people out of Egypt. Moses led God's people through the Red Sea. Moses interceded on behalf of the people in the desert. Moses received the Ten Commandments, the law of God. Moses, he again, he, he led the people in that, that time in the desert. I mean, Moses did so much. He was huge in their lives. I mean, I can imagine if it was in modern day, right? There might be a Moses action figure that little kids would play with. I mean, Moses was so important. But this morning, the author of Hebrews, he's he's going to take his... What he's been talking about since the very beginning of this letter, and he's going to point to us, and remember, the title of this series is Greater. 
And this morning, he's going to show us that Jesus is greater than anyone or anything, including our heroes of the faith. And again, the heroes of the faith are important. But Jesus is even greater. So he's going to remind us that we need to consider Jesus and hold fast to him. Consider Jesus and hold fast to him. Let's read Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been accounted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast to our conf- hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Let us pray. Father, may you honor the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. And may there be something that is said this morning that would help us in our walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Consider Jesus and hold fast to Him. That's what the writer, he wants us to know and remember. But as we get there, he's going he's to paint a picture. He's going to help us to see why we should do that. This is the whole book. But always, we noted a few weeks ago, when you see therefore, you, you again, you investigate that. So he says, therefore, in verse 1. This, therefore, I believe is based on all that he has said in the first two chapters. In the first two chapters, he's talked about the supremacy of his son, Jesus. That Jesus is supreme over the angels. That Jesus is the one who, again, who has delivered us from the power of death. Remember last week and delivered all those who were through fear of death were subject to lifelong death slavery that Jesus was the propitiation that he took the wrath of God for us he's the founder of our faith and so therefore based on all that he's saying listen based on everything that I've just said holy brothers so we're going to kind of break down walk through this right he says therefore based on all that I've said holy brothers now, that word holy brothers is important, or that phrase. That word brothers is going to harken back to what he talked about last week. Hello, we hear you. Um, it's going to harken back to what he said last week when he, he talked about Jesus and that we are the brothers of Christ, right? We are brothers. What does that mean? It means that, again, it's going back to that humanity 
of Jesus Christ, right? We are brothers to Christ. Obviously, he's our Lord, but you see that there. And so he says, holy brothers. Now, what does he mean by holy brothers? Is he saying that these brothers are more holy than other people? No. I want you to look at that word holy there. This is not a qualitative, as if he's saying they're more holy. This is a a word that's a positional holiness. He's saying that these, as Christians, we are holy in the sense that we are made holy, that we are set apart through the redemptive work of Christ. In that sense, every Christian who trusts in Jesus is holy. We are holy because we are redeemed by God. We are set apart. And it's a positional holiness. He's saying, listen, therefore, all the, after all that I've said, my, my brothers who are made holy in Christ, then he says, you who share in a heavenly calling. So people that have trusted in Jesus who are holy, we also share in a heavenly calling. We share in the hope of eternal life. We share in the promise of life in heaven with God. So he's, he's telling us who we are. He says, Listen, therefore, based on what I've said, my holy brothers who trust in Jesus have a heavenly calling. He said, consider Jesus. Underline that in your Bible or in your notes. Because this here is, is really going to be his main point. Consider Jesus. All I've said, he said, after everything, he said, listen, I want you to consider Jesus. I want you to think deeply on Jesus. That phrase speaks of, I want you to think carefully. Not just consider Jesus in passing or or just in a casual way. Listen, I want you to think carefully. I want you to think deeply. I want you to really press your mind and think about Jesus. And this is important. Because in our lives, we're going to be tempted to think carefully about all sorts of things, even in the Christian world. But we need to remember, we have to think carefully about Jesus. We need to spend our time and energy and thoughts and affections, and we need to think about Jesus. Are you considering Jesus in your life? So listen, therefore, brothers, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus. I want you to see how Jesus is greater than anyone or anything. I want you to really think about that. But then he's going to tell us why we need to consider Jesus and why Jesus is greater. He's going to tell us about Jesus. Jesus was the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now last week we began to look at the high priest and we will later as he walks through Hebrews. But Jesus as our high priest is the one who mediates between God the Father and us. And he's the perfect high priest because he offered himself as a sacrifice. But that other word there says apostle. Now that's a rare way to speak of Jesus as the apostle. When we think of apostles, we rightly think of the 
the twelve disciples. We think of those who were called by God, sent out by God. But here, he says, listen, Jesus was an apostle. And what he means by that is Jesus was one that was sent out by God. But that word apostle carries the meaning of one who's authorized to act on behalf of someone else. When you think of the twelve apostles, we think of someone who's authorized to act on behalf of God. Jesus, as the one true apostle, is authorized to act on behalf of the Father. He said, listen, this Jesus, he's the high priest who gave his life, and he's also, when he was sent to us, he was authorized to act on behalf of God, meaning that everything that Jesus did was checked out by the Father, that was approved. Jesus didn't do anything that was outside of the will of the Father. Everything that Jesus did was exactly in his plan. He's saying, this Jesus... He was sent out by God and he was a high priest. He was faithful. He was a high priest of our confession, he says too. What does that mean, that he was a high priest of our confession, our confession? Who we believe is really a confession in himself, I believe, that as our confession, who is the center of our confession? Jesus Christ. So he was a high priest, he was an apostle of our confession. But what else does he say about Jesus? He was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus was sent out by God, he offered his life as a sacrifice, but he was also faithful, faithful to the Father. Jesus did all that the Father had called him to, he was perfect in every Regard, authorized to act on God's behalf. Say, listen, I want you to consider Jesus. Now, what does all that mean for us? Think about it. Jesus Christ is the one that you and I put our hope in. But when we put our hope in Jesus, we know that when we follow Jesus, that we are following the Father. If we will believe in Jesus and trust Him, that that we will never be let down, that we will never be led astray, because you can't go wrong following Jesus. I mean, even when it's hard and difficult, but when we follow Jesus as we see Him in His Word... Your life will never go wrong. Now you say, wait a second, Pastor. Are you telling me that nothing will go wrong in my life? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you will not go wrong in this life. Your life may not be perfect. You may walk through tragedy and difficulty. But you will not go wrong in this life if you consider and follow Jesus. Your life will not wrong ultimately if you consider and follow Jesus yes things will happen but your life is on the right track and so listen we ought to consider Jesus in our lives we we won't go wrong when we consider Jesus 
Now he's going to compare him, though, to that hero of the faith, Moses. He said, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now I want you to make note that when he talks about Moses here, he's not putting down Moses at all. The author of Hebrews is not denigrating Moses. He's not saying that Moses was unimportant. In fact, he's going to honor Moses, but he's going to show that even as great as Moses was, Jesus is far greater. But he's going to show us how. Now, I want you to look at that word house. You see that house or household? Make note of it. That word house or household, it carries the meaning in there of the people of God. When he speaks of house, household, you're going to think of the people of God. So Moses, Moses has been counted, or for Jesus, has been counted more worthy of more glory than Moses. But right before that, it says that Moses was faithful in all of God's house. So that means that Moses was faithful in his service to God's people. You see, Moses was a servant. Moses served God, and he was faithful. He said, listen, Moses was faithful. I mean, he was faithful. Moses did what God called him to. Now, was Moses perfect? No. But he was faithful. Moses was faithful to God's call. But he says, listen, Jesus is counted worthy of more glory. See, now, for us, this doesn't really hit us. But imagine somebody who has grown up as a Jewish person. Imagine somebody who has grown up thinking about Moses. Think about somebody whose life sort of revolved around the ministry of Moses, if you think about Remember, every Passover they would celebrate what God did, bringing the people out of Egypt. But who was the person God used? Moses. And so when the author Hebrews is saying this, I mean, this is very relevant to them. This is very relevant because they're saying, wow, well, Moses was, was a big deal. He's saying, listen, but Jesus is a bigger deal. Is going to tell us two reasons why Jesus is worthy of more glory. The first, he's going to speak of the house. He's going to say, listen, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. He's say, listen, when you build a house, and it's a beautiful house, you might say, wow, that's a beautiful house, but... You honor the person who built and designed that house. Not necessarily the house itself. You say, wow, the person that made that and designed it, man, they were brilliant. It reminds me, I just finished a book, and in this book, part of the book was about the Chicago World Fair, or actually called the Chicago's Columbian Exposition. 
took place in 1893. And that fair was very famous for the Ferris wheel. You ever remember the Ferris wheel? You ever read on the Ferris wheel? Guess what? It was designed and created for the Chicago World Fair. But the World Fair was also important and fascinating in a lot of ways. They built almost an entire city of all sorts of buildings in three years. But one of the things that they did for the Chicago World's Fair, there was the lead architect, his name was Daniel Burnham. And Daniel Burnham, he, he gathered around him the most important and famous architects in all of, in all of America. He got them from the East Coast and he brought them to Chicago and he... he cast this vision of what the world's fair could be. And you see, America was still a little bitter that Paris had held the world's fair. And there in Paris, they had built the Eiffel Tower. And we wanted something. I mean, America, we needed something like the Eiffel Tower. We needed a fair. And so they had this vision to create this beautiful architecture. And in fact, they did. It was Chicago was nicknamed the White City because of that. It built these huge neoclassical buildings, massive, and they were all white. All of them. They had the same color scheme, all white. They were beautiful. But you see, that, that exposition, that world fair put Daniel Burnham on the map even more than he was. And after the World's Fair, he was sought after by many different cities. In fact, even Fort Worth, we wanted his help to design our city, although he was too busy. But you see, that, as beautiful as everything was, people looked and they saw the architects. They saw the people and they, again, they gave them honor and glory. No, the buildings were torn down because they were made the sort of a temporary way, as beautiful as they were. They were torn down, but yet the people, the people remained. He's saying, listen, this is how it is with Moses. He's saying Moses was a servant in God's house, but he was really a part of God's house. He was a part of God's people. In the same way, Jesus, who is the architect or the builder of God's people. Remember, it is through the work of Jesus Christ that you and I can be redeemed and called into the number of God's people. He's saying the same way Jesus is the one who made it possible for us to be the house of God. So it's Him we honor Not the people of God, not Moses. They get some honor, but Jesus gets the glory. Just like the architect of a house. He says, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So he says, listen, the first reason that Jesus gets more glory is because he, he is the one that made it possible. The builder of all things is God. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. But then the second reason that Jesus gets more glory, he said, listen, Moses was faithful 
as a servant. Now that word servant there is important. Now many times the word servant in the Bible can also mean the word slave. But this word servant is different. This stands for a servant who is honored, perhaps the most honored servant. Say, listen, Moses was an honored servant. Maybe even the most honored human servant. And he came to testify, to testify of things, to the things that were to be spoken later. Saying, listen, Moses had an important job. Moses' job was to come and he was going to begin to speak about things that were going to be fully revealed later. I mean, it was through Moses that he is, he is a part of God's revelation. Moses is going to point to the Messiah that would come later. Moses is going to point to the redemption of Jesus Christ. But Moses, remember, he didn't, he didn't know all that was going to happen in the days to come. Yes, they knew some through prophecy, but again, it was still as if they were seeing things dimly, right? But Moses, I mean, he was a servant, and he would point to the one who would come later. But he's still a servant. But Jesus is a son. And listen, the reason that Jesus gets more glory is that Moses was a servant, as good of a servant as he was, but he was still a servant. But Jesus is a son, the son. And think about that. He said, listen, the Son is going to have more honor and more glory in the Father's house than the servant. I mean, he could be the best servant of all, but there's something about your Son. There's something about your Son. He said, listen, the Son has a special place in the Father's heart. The Son is the one that knows the Father's heart. As Albert Moeller said, Jesus is not just a servant in the household. He is the one who inherits the house and functions as its Lord. The Son is the one who inherits God's house. Say, listen, this is why Jesus gets more glory. He's a son. And we are his house you and i as believers in christ we are the household of god and so when we speak of church and we speak listen now we say this a lot that's very important but church is not a place it's a people the church is not a building it's a people and we have to always remember that because we can get so wrapped up in the physical things. But the church is a people that have been called from death into life. The church is a people that are redeemed by Christ. We are His house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. We are the people of God who will hold fast to Jesus. You can see Jesus is our confidence. 
He's our boasting and our hope. We have to hold fast to Him. Now, this is not conditional in the sense of our salvation is based on what we do. But what he is saying, listen, if we truly believe, if we trust in Jesus, then we're going to hold fast. We're going to hold fast to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus who is called by God and sent by God. Consider Jesus who gave his life for us, consider Jesus who's greater than the great Moses, consider Jesus who's the architect of God's house, consider Jesus who's the son. Now is the author just trying to give us a theology lesson? Is he trying just to help us to be more intelligent? No. You see, while those things are helpful perhaps, He is giving an exhortation. You see, people back then may have been tempted to to go backwards and go back to the old ways, to, to go back to the old ways of doing things. Maybe things were starting to get hard and difficult. Say, you know what, we're going to go back to the, the old belief system, the way that we did things with Moses. Because sometimes the old way makes you comfortable because it's something you know. And they might have been tempted to, to start following the law again. And the author saying, listen, no, 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 you, you have to consider Jesus. I mean, all of that was good and fine. It had its purpose. But you have to consider Jesus. And don't go back. But I believe that message is still the same for us. And no, none of us are tempted to go back to Judaism and to the law. But yet, many times in our life, we may be tempted to go back to things that don't honor God. We may be tempted to to go back into the way that the world teaches us to live, even when it contradicts God. Sometimes we're tempted to think about things the way that the world thinks about things. Maybe we're tempted to adopt the attitudes and values of those around us to say, well, no, that old Bible stuff, you don't need to follow that anymore. No, that's, that's not the way to do things anymore. That's old-fashioned. That's not... Sometimes we're tempted. Sometimes we're tempted to do things in our flesh. And so it's as if the writer says, No, consider Jesus. Don't consider what the world says is right. Don't consider the wisdom of the world. Consider Jesus. Don't go backwards. Don't go the way you used to be. Don't go to the world's wisdom. Consider Jesus. Then listen, consider Jesus who bought you and me with the price. Consider Jesus who emptied himself and took on the form of a human. 
became one of us to live and to die for you. Say, listen, before you go backwards, before you go to the dark side, so to speak, you say, listen, think about Jesus. Before you switch teams, think about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Consider it. Think deeply on it. Now, perhaps we're not tempted to switch sides, but sometimes we're tempted to live for ourselves. Sometimes we're just tempted, maybe we still want to carry the title of Christian, but we just want to do things the way that we want to do things. So listen, consider Jesus, who is faithful to all God called him to do. Consider Jesus, who was tempted by the devil, but yet didn't fall. Who was tempted to, perhaps in his flesh, to run away from what God had called him to do on the cross, but he didn't. So you and I need to consider Jesus so that we will stay faithful. So that we will hold fast. That we won't go to the ease of doing things our way. Consider Jesus. Or perhaps we're tempted to look to the world to give us wisdom to the difficult questions that we have in life. Maybe you're struggling with something and you don't know what to do. And sometimes we're tempted to go with the wisdom of the world. Even when it contradicts the Bible. Scores and scores of Christians that have left the wisdom of God's word. And they've now gone to the wisdom of man. That's why there's Christians now that will do and say things that... You can't believe, how, how can they do that? That's against God's word. And they say, well, no, that's not relevant to us anymore. Before you do that, consider Jesus, the word of God. Consider Jesus who revealed everything that God, the, the Father told him to reveal. Jesus, whose words we see written here. So before you throw this out, he said, listen, think about Jesus. He's greater than all things. Jesus is greater than the wisdom of the world. Jesus is greater than even our traditions. You see, sometimes we're tempted to just go back to tradition. Sometimes when we're uncomfortable, we say we just need to, to go back to the old ways. And the old ways are fine. There's nothing wrong. But listen, sometimes we cling to tradition. I'm the same way. We all have our traditions we cling to, right? Every single one of us. Just as God's people did. Just as the people of old, they, they clung to tradition. And traditions are good and they're fine. But yet traditions are not our faith. 
Traditions are only good as long as they remind us that Jesus is greater than these traditions. The problem, though, with traditions is that we hold on to traditions more than the faith of Christ. We treat traditions as if they are the Word of God, mean, rather than just something we've done. You might say, well, we don't do that. Oh, we all do that. And the way that you know that you are holding traditions higher is how do you respond when someone who doesn't know the traditions, when they break the traditions? That's when you realize that our traditions have become idols. So listen, don't go back to the traditions. Go back to Christ. Go back to Jesus. Consider Jesus. What are you tempted to go back to? To the ways of the world? To the wisdom of the world? You just wish we could go back to, again, the old way? Consider Jesus. And if you and I, if we will follow Jesus, He'll give us wisdom that we need. If we follow Jesus, He will help us navigate this world. If we follow Jesus, He will show us that it isn't the traditions that save people, it's the gospel. Traditions are helpful, but it's the gospel that saves. He said, listen, think about Jesus. He says, consider Jesus and hold fast to Him. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, I thank You for the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And that Jesus is greater than all things. That Jesus is greater than anything or anyone in this world. And that even when we walk through difficulty and trial, Jesus is greater. Even when we're tempted to turn back, Jesus is greater. Father, show us where our heart is. Show us what we struggle with. And Lord, you know my heart, you know my struggles. Father, even in my own life, I, I sometimes am tempted to go back to what I'm comfortable with. To go back to the way that I like to do things, but rather, God, you've called us to follow Jesus, and that might mean doing things differently. Lord, I struggle with that. Lord, I want to be faithful to Christ. Lord, I pray that that's the desire of our heart here, is to be faithful to Christ, no matter what. Faithful to Jesus, who's greater than all things. So, Father, may you remind us this morning as we...
come and have a time of invitation. May we be invited to consider Jesus in a greater way. I pray, God, that you would help each person here. And Lord, this message is for all of us, every single one of us. Because there's some way in our life that we're not considering Jesus as faithfully as we can. So may you speak to each person's heart. May you reveal to us. May you reveal to us, Lord, how we can be more faithful to Christ today and the days to come. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen.